Zion Radio with your co-host Robert Brining and Aaron Laxton. We go around the world and across the United States. Join in the conversation by calling in to 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. This week, we have your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause IM Radio. I hope you're ready for season two because it starts now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Palazine Radio. Robert Brining here, flying with the one and only Aaron Laxton. How you doing, Aaron? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Another week has flown by, and uh, hopefully it was productive for you. It was pretty pretty productive for me. Yeah, it was it was a productive week. Got a lot done. What the heck's going on with the weather up in Philly? Um, well, they called for a big blizzard. They called for four to eight inches coming to us, um, I believe it was Thursday. And we ended up getting like two inches of snow. It was a big let down. I was really looking forward to some snow days, but it didn't really last. And, you know, kind of crazy. I felt like in the last week we've experienced every single season, you know, from, from spring to summer. I mean, it was like 64 degrees on Wednesday and then on Thursday it snowed and they were calling for, you know, the storm and we got like, you know, two to three inches here. You know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. It won't make up its mind what, season it wants to be it's all that global well, warming yeah we have been in the in the 70s so yesterday we were in the 70s today we're down in the low 50s so i can't really complain but i saw that that winter storm was going on up there i'm like oh that is that's just killer yeah it didn't hit us as much as it hit some of our friends in new york like scott and all them uh, they got really pounded with about a foot of snow yeah. So it's, it's pretty, good for them, it's I guess. Pretty weather now. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I as I get older, I don't like the snow. So uh, or the cold weather. So if you like snow and cold weather, you're enjoying living in the northeast. Yeah, northeast. Yeah, like I don't, I don't mind the snow. I don't, I don't like driving in it particularly. Like that's my thing, driving to work in the snow and the ice. Like that's the worst. But I don't mind like going out and shoveling snow and like kind of having, you know, like, it's, you know, kind of cool, like going out, having, having hot chocolate, grilled cheese, you know, something like that. I kind of enjoy that. <laughs> mhm. I don't know. It's just something I guess growing up in Philly, always look forward to snow days. Yeah. Well, here you just get one, uh, one little speck of snow or sleet and everything shuts down. So, Yeah, it's crazy. I was actually talking with that or somebody at work how when I was growing up and it would snow, they would let you go to school, you know what I mean, and you would get out early. And I, I remember literally walking through an ice storm holding the fence of what was my high school, um, going to grade school. You know what I mean? Because it was so icy, we were falling our way to work. Me, my sister, and and the kid down the street who we walked to school with. You know what I mean? And we walked in it, and we went to school. And now they're like, oh, they're calling for two to you know four to eight inches, and the snow hasn't even come yet, and they're already canceling schools. And you know, they get days because it's too hot to be in school. Like I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> it's just crazy to me how kids are, you know, kind of uh, I guess babied more. But I mean, do they call it like that up there for you too? They do, yeah, and yeah, I mean, it's the running joke up here in in Missouri that they'll have one. We'll even have a forecast of snow, and they'll they'll shut everything down. So let let alone something actually happen. And it's like I don't remember that when I was a kid. Like I remember waking up the day of school, like seeing if we're at school or not. So 
it's just maybe society's getting smarter. I don't know. No, we used to do that too. We used to go off and put on the radio. We used to put on KYW, you know, news radio here in, in Philly, and, and we'd wait to hear that, you know, for me, because I went to a Catholic uh, school, it was all public and parochial schools had to be off. If public schools had off, that didn't mean the Catholic schools. It had to be public and parochial. You know what I mean? For us to actually mm-hmm. have the day off. So I remember getting up early and, and listening to the radio with my mom or my dad and, and finding out if we had school that day. And it was always a letdown because we always, always, always had school. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We never had it. I mean, unless it was, I think we had a blizzard in 93 where I remember making igloos out in front of my house. <laughs> I mean, it was that bad that we didn't have school. But other than that, like, we really didn't get out of school often. We didn't have snow days to make up at the end of the year. <laughs> we got extra days off because we didn't use our snow days. Yeah. Anywho, how is the new place? It is phenomenal. I'm actually sitting in the basement of my house right now, and uh, you know everything is, is coming together just nicely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I'm glad it's winding down. I don't, I don't particularly like moving. So, uh, you know, just a little bit at a time, and uh, I'm also taking a full course at school and, and then working full-time. So uh, I don't know how you do it. And then you're still out there. You're still out there on the front lines holding up your signs and protesting and marching. So right. I don't know where you get the energy to do all that. Well, yesterday I, I didn't. So we had a big Planned Parenthood rally here in St. Louis. Um, and, you know, what we have to learn is it's just it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, you know, I pick my battles. I don't I don't go to every event. Um, our next big one that I'm organizing and helping to organize here on the 25th, which is Mardi Gras weekend. So, um, yeah, that'll be – but that's a good point. I mean, it's the burnout is pretty high for, for activism. Now, one of the things I noticed here in in, um, in Philly is there, the, the the gay neighborhood, the neighborhood is, is discussing whether or not they should reschedule Pride. Um, I saw it coming up on my news feed. You know, and because of the big protest that is going on in D.C., it's kind of the same week that a lot of cities will have their Pride in their own city. So I don't know if it's anything that you've heard about, but I know it's something in Philly that they were discussing. Should they reschedule it, do it a different week, cancel it altogether, you know what I mean, within the city? Um, it's yeah. kind of been a, a topic. I have not heard that. I mean, for, um, I mean maybe it's just the I Philly wouldn't. thing because it just happened to be the same week. Well, yeah, so our, our pride falls in the last weekend of June, which is it, – it coincides with um, – Stonewall, but uh, you know, if I had to talk to the to the to the organizers of Pride there, I I wouldn't. I would say keep the date because you know you have many many events that are sister events and they're in solidarity with the march. So I wouldn't, if it was me, I wouldn't deviate from that from all at all. Like I think they need to see about changing the focus of Pride in Philly. So if it's all about like a party and entertainment. I would be opposed to that, and I would say, okay, this year it needs to be a focus on LGBT and how we are impacted under this new administration. I, you know, so yeah. as a community member, that would that would suffice to me, because um, that's really yeah, I, disruptive just to cancel us and all our you know. Yeah, I guess what they were thinking is a lot of people were planning to go to the DC thing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. should they maybe put it at a different week or? Or, you know, I definitely wouldn't cancel it, but I, I see their, their concern. But like you said, you know what I mean? You should just put a different message on it this year. It's where it's not about partying so much, where it's more about focusing on our important things that are, you know, affecting us and this administration, like you said. Right. So I, I agree. I agree with that. So that's important. So I'm excited for today's guest. I love Michelle. <laughs> Me too. Oh, my God. I, so I was going through some of the uh, the old archives, you know, because coming up in March, our first show in March, March 5th, that's going to be our 300th episode. So I want to uh, wow. do something special for that show. I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I want to figure out something that we can do that will make it different from 
the average show, but as I was going through, I noticed that, you know, I know Michelle's been on the show at least twice before. So I was going through the archives and looking to see at what, you know, um, year she was on the show and things like that. And here she's actually somebody who's been on the show four times. I think the only other person who's been on the show more than her is Dab Garner, um, who, you know, we love him. And, and actually Mark King has been on the show four times, four times as well. So I just wanted to point out that, you know, Michelle is somebody who we love here at the show and we love having come on and, and give us updates and tell us what's going on. It's been a while since she's actually been on the show. I want to actually look at it here. She was first on the show in 2010. Um, and then she came on in 2011 after she became uh, Miss Plus America. And then she returned again in 2013, and then this will be her fourth time on, so I'm excited about having her on. Uh, we'll be bringing her on in a second. I just want to go ahead and shoot over to um, Josh Robbins and hear what this week's scoop is. So let's go to that. This is your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusive for Pause I Am Radio. Buzzworthy HIV news in under 90 seconds. Here's Josh Robbins in this week's HIV scoop. Hello, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day this week. Here is your HIV scoop. People that are living with HIV may be more likely to develop diabetes, new research says. According to an article that was published on WebMD, the study just released that their medical monitoring project of 8,600 HIV-positive patients and 5,600 people in the general population, and they're considered in the general population because of an HIV-negative status at the time of this report, the prevalence of diabetes was almost 4% higher among the patient population with HIV. Yeah, 4%. Although it didn't prove a cause-and-effect relationship, because of the success of the antiretroviral therapy and, and it working so well, that there is an increased risk for other chronic health conditions, according to researchers. Also, big news coming from Planned Parenthood this week concerning their education and national awareness building about pre-exposure prophylaxis, or PrEP. They just announced that they provide over 700,000 annual HIV tests nationally through all of their clinics, and Gilead just gave them a nearly $900,000 grant to work in partnership with the Black AIDS Institute on PrEP Education over the next 18 months in the U.S. This is the first time Planned Parenthood has received such an an HIV-related grant. Well, congrats to them. I obviously stand in support of Planned Parenthood. I'm Josh Robbins. This was your HIV scoop. And there you have it, this week's HIV Scoop by Josh Robbins. Um, so kudos for Planned Parenthood and, and being able to, uh, you know, test that many people. Yeah, I think we had uh, we had action yesterday standing in solidarity with them. They also had them around the country. Um, and, you know, I think many times that people are unaware of the important work that they're doing. Um, you know, besides, everybody wants a point to abortion. It's actually less than 1% of their overall services. Um, a, a huge chunk of it is just education. And, and so uh, we saw President Trump actually, uh, he cut off funding for, for international organizations that, that provide abortion or educational services. And we know that if they don't stand up, that's going to be happening here. So speaking of Trump, since you brought him up, did you watch SNL? It was just delicious. <laughs> the People's Court, it cracked me up. It was it was hilarious. You know, it made me think of last week when we were talking about the what in the hell is he doing this week? Yes, I know. Or, or what is yeah. he what is he tweeting about this week? I mean, the whole thing with Nordstrom and his and his daughter it's it's a little ridiculous. I know. I. Uh... But, well, my favorite on SNL is um, the Spicer, um, Spicy. Oh, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, who, yeah, I just absolutely adore her. And, uh, man, she does a spot-on impersonation of him. I like how he has a podium. He's always around her. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a good improvement from the week prior. 
So I was really hoping to see uh, Rosie O'Donnell show up as, um, what's his face? Uh, what were they talking about her showing up as? Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Oh, uh, Steve. Anywho. Yes, yes. So, you know, I saw it online. A lot of people were laying out, like, all these famous people, comedians who should be playing the cabinet. And I just thought it was kind of hilarious. But, no, it was good. I actually watched those two episodes online this morning uh, to see kind of what was the noise about. But, anyway, enough about the president. Let's move on to somebody more important. Let's talk about uh, Michelle Anderson Morrison. You know, it's been a a new name change since uh, she's been on the show, so I know she has something to talk about. Uh, Michelle Anderson Morrison, a.k.a. Miss Plus America, a.k.a. Miss, uh, a.k.a. HIV Beauty Queen, is the first openly HIV-positive woman to ever run and win a national pageant title. Currently, she resides in Dallas, Texas, and is the CEO founder of the Metamorphic Metamorphic Empowerment Center. So let's please welcome Michelle Anderson Morrison. Hey, girl. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) I so miss you guys. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Everything. (laughs) Wow, it's been a minute. It has been a minute. I'm so glad you're back with Pause I Am Radio because you know what? You're the one who started all this to begin with. So um, uh, kudos to you. So I'm clapping for you. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) First of all, let me talk about this stunning photo that you sent me to use. you're flawless in it. What? What is? What are you? Where is this photo from? And what is it? <laughs> okay, so I was. It, it, it's a selfie. I was in the bathroom. I think I see some bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's flawless. And I was filling myself. And I was at the <laughs> AWC Association, uh, the conference. <laughs> So I was there, and that was the night for the awards night. And so I was there, and I took nice. that picture because I just, was just—I thought I was hot. Yeah, I thought because I saw a tub in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you see the bathtub? Yeah, and the bubble. <laughs> I think everybody no, no, call has been guilty huh? of taking a couple bathroom photos. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's where the best lighting is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, sh- and shower curtains make the best backdrops. You're right. You know, I have some with the sil- – my my shower curtain is black, and it has silver sequins on it. Yes, boo, check them out. <laughs> <laughs> So I can say most of my selfies are definitely in the bathroom. Well, definitely. I have to say that I'm loving, I'm loving the gray streak. I, I I love that you're embracing that. Yeah, yeah, it's embracing me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I just got tired. You know, we spent all this money trying to stay young and look young and and all this stuff, and apparently I wasn't winning. Uh, because it went from getting my hair colored every now and then to getting my hair colored every two weeks and then to getting my hair colored every week because silver doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, what is it, color easily. So it wears off faster. And so finally I just gave it up and said, you know what, just let it come on in. Just let it come on in. So it looks great. Well, thank you, guys. Y'all look great. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, Robert, but you need to keep on doing what you're doing because you look fine as hell. I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm like, you got this brown man thing going on. What the hell is going on? And I'm so glad, Aaron, you cut your hair. <laughs> so you know, I was growing it out, and uh, and then I'm at work the other day, and I'm like. I just, in the middle of the day, I'm like, oh, this ain't working for me anymore. I came home. I had my little uh, Britney Spears moment. Went in the bathroom. <laughs> I, I went all Britney. I cut my own hair. But uh, I do have to say, I, you know, Robert, I love you like a brother from another mother. I do have one of the sexiest co-hosts 
uh, in the universe. So <laughs> you watch know. out, you guys. Yeah, we do. Are you all drinking? You all drinking. But I tell you, Aaron, you got your sexy back when you cut your hair because you did. You look like you you look like <laughs> you now you look twenty years younger. I just have to everybody, say that. Everybody said you work with the homeless. You don't got to look like you're homeless. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> that's what friends are for, right? People who say something like that. Why? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, because for a moment he was carrying Ted, uh, what is it called, uh, Al Bundy. I wasn't <laughs> sure what he was looking for. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would show up at protest and like, oh, there's that crazy old white guy. I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> but you look great. Both you guys look great. You do. Wow, Aaron, I actually am going through your face. I'm going through your Facebook profile photos, <laughs> and I just kind of went like one back. And it's such, wow, yeah, you definitely look 20 years younger. You do. You do. Because, I, you well, know, I'm yeah. with, the, with the tight pants and the shirt and the bow tie and them glasses and just showing uh -huh. them tattoos. That's what, yes, that's what I was used to. And then all of a sudden, you went, to, you went into your career more, the counseling more, and then you morphed into somebody I didn't know who that was. Yeah, you know, I looked at the photos, and we uh, we all have certainly grown a lot. And it, it, it's hard to uh, – it's been over five years now. It'll be five yeah. years in September. Wow. What, since wow. you shaved your beard? Well, I trimmed it, so I'm just, like, down to, like, if I have, like, two or three days growth. I think I, I found some small animals, though. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, we are so glad to have you here. We, uh, I tell you what, I mean, I have, I have my favorite guest. I'm, I'm, you know, if any of the others are listening, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite guests. Because you've got personality for days. Um, you're always like, you, you literally, when people walk in the room, if you're there, you have, you brighten the room when you're in it. And I, I don't, I think everybody who knows you would agree with that. Well, thank you so much. You know what? Um, you know, living with HIV for as long as I have, you get to a point to where you decide, hey, I, it's just about living. It's not it, the diagnosis doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just that um, I I just wanted to live and I wanted to be loved and I wanted to love. You know, and so that's what you see when you come in the room. It's just my love, my genuine love and passion for everybody and compassion for everybody. Well, So I went back to my first love, and since I've been there, my advocacy has changed a little bit, where the focus is still HIV, but mostly on those social determinants that we always are talking about, where we need to get back to the roots the, or the root cause of why HIV exists. And so for me, just dealing with people who have, who have uh, substance abuse issues or mental health issues, um, I felt that that's where I was best needed. Because they don't mm -hmm. talk, there's not a lot of talk around that. You can't talk about HIV without talking about substance abuse or or mental health or homelessness or all the other stuff we talk about, you know, reproductive health, just all that stuff. It's time to get that. It's time, it's time to get back to the basics. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I found, you know, I appreciate what you said. You know, over the years, I've really changed. And uh, I find myself doing less. HIV advocacy, uh, not because I try to, uh, it's just I'm working on all these other things. I would call them problems of poverty. Uh, and mm -hmm. as you might know, I, I do um, transitional housing for um, individuals coming out of state and federal prison. 
what is um, can you tell me or tell us a little bit about how has HIV um, I know for me it's kind of opened up conversations uh, because uh, people may be living in prison or coming out who it's a world that's so far removed from where we are right now. So like discrimination against HIV and things like that. How has that been for you? you, Are you open about your status at work with your clients? Well, unfortunately I can't, I can't share because of the code of ethics, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that's that's the one thing about, you know, that position and hopefully metamorphic um as I transition to metamorphic um later on down the road I'll be able to share my experiences and hope that um they people can see uh how um you know, being in the system, you know, and getting our needs met can create change in our lives. Um, because, you know, I, you know, y'all know my story. You know, I used to use drugs. You know, I went to jails. You know, I didn't go to prison. I almost did, but I told them I was too cute to go. But, you know, I, I did go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> I did. The judge just looked at me, but <laughs> but you know, um, <laughs> when my basic needs aren't met, then it's more likely that I will do things by hook or by crook to get that need met. You know, it's not that I don't want to. It's just that at some point, you know, the system uh, doesn't have stuff to help me get on my feet because they use my felony or whatever as a uh, barrier mm-hmm. for change. Do you agree, Aaron? Oh, I absolutely agree. And, and yeah, I, I, you know, HIV is not a conversation that comes up a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm in a position where I, I'm able to, to share and so it's a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. But who... For you, what is the, I guess I'm going to ask, it's a two-part question. Who is the easiest client for you to work with, and who is that client that's just really challenging, really tough? And I, that may be easy, um, but if it's not, you can, we, we can get some more questions. It's a tough question, I think. The easiest <laughs> client for me to work with is those who have the open-mindedness and willingness to change, those who are willing to walk into recovery and try something different. Mm-hmm. The hardest client for me to work with is those are those very same people who may be willing but may have um, a mental health issue that prevents them from making those changes because, you know, we we're working at two things. We're working at, you know, um, getting them uh, to not use any mind-altering substances, but also giving, telling them, oh, but you have to take your meds too that may make them feel some type of way as well. So how do we <laughs> – so it becomes difficult to um, – move that person into recovery because then we have to tell them, well, this is why you're using drugs, you're self-medicating, maybe because of the mental health, you know, um, trying to get this mental health stabilized so that they can walk into recovery, trying to get them to understand that mental health and recovery, they work hand in hand, you know, because a lot of them don't agree. They think that if they're using um, psychotropic medications that uh, they will never be able to be in recovery because NA or whatever says that they can't do any mind. You know what I'm saying? So that's the challenges for me that I I I go through uh, from time to time. But it doesn't mean that it can't change. You know, it doesn't mean that it can't change. So I think that would be the hardest place for me. And also those people who you want, you're saying, you know, change the behavior, change behavior. But if I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing, I can't change the behavior, you know. And so I can only take them so far. I have to stay within my my scope of expertise, you know. But all I can do is give them the tools. Now, making them go actually just utilize the tools, that's a whole other thing. You know, we've had people to abscon to run that we're thinking that we've made some lead way, you know, into their life, into their recovery. I call myself a change facilitator and giving them this stuff to equip them. But, you know, sometimes they just, you know, the call of the drug, uh, you know, keeps them, um, disables them, and they move on. Michelle, this is Robert. Um, first of all, I love you. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. <laughs> um, I remember I, 
correct me if I'm wrong, when we first met, it was at the, the ADAP Advocacy Association. It was shooting a PSA. Am I wrong or is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Right? Yes. We, we PSA were. We, with, we, with, mm-hmm. with, with Brandon and, um, uh, and the ADAP Advocacy Association. You know, I was a board member at the time, and, and you were as well, and you still are. What is it that you do, and can you talk a little bit about that? Um, the ADAP Advocacy Association and what their what their role is. You know, um, I am the treasurer for ADAP Advocacy Association, and basically what we do is um, right now is since ADAP, the whole thing about uh, AIDS drug assistance has changed. You know, now I think they'd probably be back in full force. I think we'll be again fighting for the rights for uh, life saving medications like we did years ago. You know, under right now the current administration, but that's just me. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you know, I, I we still. Um, I was going to say it's a collective thought, I believe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we're going back to the dinosaur ages, but, you know, uh, but uh, uh, we still we still uh, try to now their focus is more on, you know, housing, stabilizing people who are HIV positive, making sure they have access to care, treatment and care. I see. Because, I, you know, I remember being a part of it and it was an amazing experience for me to be a part of an organization that was, you know, helping and empowering and bringing awareness to, you know, a certain issue, which is getting on medication and how important it is, especially, you know, if you tuned in last week and listened to us, we spoke with Bruce uh, from the U equals U trans uh, campaign, where, you know what I mean, having that that message out there, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that, on on that campaign and that message that uh, is it, it, not out there that the U equals U, undetectable equals untransmittable? You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been stuck in an office <laughs> dealing with clients for most of the time. So I'm just a tad bit out of touch. Uh, can you share with me exactly what, tell me that again. Sure. Um, um, Bruce, who was on uh, last week, Bruce Richmond um, is the founder of the Prevention Access Campaign. And uh, one of the things that he has started is the U equals U uh, campaign, which is uh, there's been scientific proof and people have come out in um, support of it. Um, Aaron can speak probably more to the details, but um, basically promoting that if you are undetectable and on meds, that you are, you know, untransmittable, unable to pass the disease on. And the campaign is, you know, the hashtag you equals you. So I was just curious of what your thoughts are on that. <laughs> Oh, of course. You know, people need to 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 begin to hear the truth, um, and I, and it's going to take yeah because so many because we're governed by media and everything, and those are ones that you know create those fear. Your HIV criminalization laws creates the fear in our community. But if we continue as as a collective to say you know hey you know I'm undetectable and begin to educate on HIV that um, sometimes I, I believe that first we 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 can combat stigma. Right, we can combat uh, uh, fear amongst in our community, and we can still bring about commonality of this disease. So yes, of course, I I would love to be more about it. So what uh, you know, in five years, lots of change, advocacy has changed, um, our lives has changed. Where do you find your focus now? Besides your daily work, um, when it comes to HIV advocacy, where would you say is your focus still on the the individuals who are coming out of incarceration or previously incarcerated or substance use, or or do you have a specific focus that you kind of advocate for? You know, like you said, I mean, there's everybody is everybody has their different soapbox that they want to be on. I know for a time when I was uh, deciding to step back to take a break uh, from the HIV arena that um, I saw a lot of the infighting. You know, everybody wants a piece of the 
celebrity pie when it when who wants to be positive for being HIV positive or who you know I I didn't want all that you know I just wanted to create change so when I decided to get back into HIV advocacy I was told that you know um I you know to kind of stay back we got this thing you you know what I'm saying and that that discouraged me you know mm-hmm. that um, I wasn't missed or anything and that's cool that's fine so that's why I decided I'm gonna let them do what they do and I'm gonna do what I do and so yes my love has always been among substance use you know dealing with those because those because substance use is one of the greatest risks of an HIV diagnosis. You know, and so, um, yeah, so that's my love. That's my first love. That's what I've gone back to. And hopefully um, I can create some advocacy around that. Because, again, there's not a whole lot of talk about it. You know, it's a very interesting point that you bring up that, um, you know, many people may not be aware of how, I'll call it territorial, but uh, that may not be the right word. Uh, no, that's the right word. <laughs> It's like everybody's throwing out their little niche or whatever. Um, I, I guess, do you think that that kind of uh, creates an environment where you do not have new voices being heard? Because, you know, you do have people that have kind of carved out these uh, niches and they they don't, for whatever reason, don't want to let other people in. Do you think that kind of can stop voices from coming to the table that really need to be heard? Yes, and yes, indeed, because if we're fighting each other instead of fighting your cause, I wouldn't want to be a part of it either, especially our younger generation, because the old kids don't want to let go of the reins because they feel like they're going to be forgotten. And it's not that they're going to be forgotten. You've already done the groundwork. You know, I, I don't plan on uh, fighting HIV well off into my 60s and 70s. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to let somebody else, or I'm going to groom somebody else to uh, take the floor. Because it comes a point in time when we have to let go. And we're not doing that. And so, yeah, I think it it causes a great – that's why you don't see a lot of our young generation uh, or up-and-coming HIV activists uh, who are really, you know, not being able to do what they need to do because we won't let go. I did my stint. I'm good. I made my mark, you know, I, I, I put my footprints in the sand. Now, now it's time for me to, let, to groom somebody and let them come up. Isn't this what this is yeah. all about? That is so true. What? It's about passing the torch on to the next person. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, right. and, and talking about I'm sorry? Mm-hmm. I said what you've done doesn't die. It doesn't go away. Right, especially in this day and age with social media and everything, it lives on forever. You know, one of the things I want to talk about is your footprints in the sand. In 2011, when you won Miss Plus America uh, and you became the first openly HIV-positive woman to win this pageant title, tell me what that felt like for you. Oh, my God. I was on cloud eight, nine, and ten. Because, you know, I went into the pageant <laughs> never thinking I'd be. I did. Y'all had to pull on my feet for a little while. <laughs> Girl, it's time to come down. No, but I never thought I would win. And it's funny because I went to uh, Texas Plus America Boot Camp. I'm on their staff now. I'm a rhinestone sister forever. So uh, um, we were talking. Mm-hmm. I said I never thought I'd I just wanted to get among women who never thought about their risk to HIV. You know, that was the whole point of doing that. And so when it came around that time and I stood on that stage and they called the other lady, the first runner-up, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. We won. It wasn't me. It was we. We won. You know, that there was another place where women can go that that their diagnosis doesn't matter, that they can do and be whatever they want to be at that point. You know, and so it was an, it was a phenomenal feeling. I, re- I remember reading about it and, and how excited you were. And it was, it was definitely, you know, life-changing for many women to see that. And like you said, you brought that conversation into a place where it normally isn't a conversation that's being had. You know I mean? no, so exactly. For you, your, your beauty is definitely inside and out. And you know I mean, uh, pictures here or show it if uh, anybody's there watching. I just want to open the phone lines if anyone's interested in calling in, have a question or a comment from Michelle. 
the number to call, 929-477-3572. Uh, Michelle, if you have a, a positive message for somebody, you know, for, uh, Kevin Maloney, our friend here from Rise Up to HIV, has done a video message campaign, um, and it asks for people to, to give a, a kind of like a, a quick positive message for somebody living with HIV. Uh, my question to you is what question, what message would you have for somebody who uh, is newly diagnosed? That you're not alone. You know, again, what we always say, uh, HIV uh, is just what it is. It's, it's a diagnosis. Um, you can live beyond your diagnosis, and let me show you how. You know, um, I would also provide them with the tools and the knowledge about HIV because, you know, that was the hardest thing for me as well because I didn't know anything about HIV. Back in the day when I was diagnosed in 99, you know, it still was a white gay man's disease. You know, um, I would tell them that um, there's hope, you know, hope in the fact that someday this disease will be eradicated. And maybe not in my lifetime, but if you have children, their lifetime, you know, um, to live your life regardless of what anybody says. HIV does not have to define you. And it doesn't, you know, it does not, it's just a very small facet of your life and doesn't have to dictate any, the outcome of it. Uh, you know, research, look at other people like you, like Aaron, like Maria, Mejia, you know, all these other advocates out there who are flourishing um, beyond HIV diagnosis. You know, I think that's what I would tell them. Well, that sounds like a good one. Let's hear some more messages uh, from uh, Rise Up to HIV's Positive Message Campaign. Hi, my name is Bruce. I'm from Brooklyn. I was diagnosed with HIV in 2003, and I became undetectable in 2010. My positive message is that this is an incredibly exciting time to be living with HIV because we know now that we have treatment that not only protects us, protects our health, and, and enables us to live long, healthy lives, but it, it protects our partners from getting HIV. We cannot transmit HIV when we're undetectable. Um, so I guess the message is, is if you're considering treatment or you're on treatment, please understand that if you take your meds and stay undetectable, you won't transmit HIV. You'll stay uninfectious. It's very exciting. We can have sex and intimacy and, and babies with our partners without fear, without shame, and without stigma. My name is Charlie Twibbe, and I'm an HIV-positive gay male. And I was diagnosed a week after my 22nd birthday, which could go on record as the worst birthday present humanly possible. It took me a long time to get past these sort of feelings where I was dirty. I was less than. I was a disgrace. I was a failure. A lot of these things that come from the sort of public perception around HIV, you know, HIV, unlike any other condition, all the flack that we get just really comes from a moralistic sort of a place where people can blame it on being a slut or put you in a little box or make you feel shitty about yourself so that you sort of can't live your life with transparency. And it took me a long time to work through these feelings of inadequacy, these feelings that I was never going to be loved, and to realize that that sort of stigma and that bullshit, it, it's totally unacceptable, and it actually has no bearing on who you are as a person. I, like you and every other HIV-positive person, is a strong, wonderful, phenomenal powerful, interesting, sexy, and amazing as you have always been. And HIV doesn't change that at all. So you need to celebrate and live your life and not be hindered by it because really at the end of the day, HIV can have as much of or as little of an impact as you allow it. I choose to live my life with transparency. I choose to make the most out of everything. And I'm going to have the best the most amazing long life, and HIV doesn't have a damn thing to do with that. So, Robert and Michelle, that, that last person that we heard from, Charlie um, Treadway, was just announced, um, Mr. Gay New Zealand 2017, um, a friend of the show. And, Michelle, I heard a lot of similarities, right? So the strength that he has uh, – 
kind of have to be pretty out there to to put yourself kind of on uh I don't want to say on display, but you're really I mean, you're opening yourself up to the world uh in that type of uh to be in a uh any type of public space like that. Uh did you kind of hear some similarities when Charlie was was sharing his positive message? I didn't hear what your question was. So I was I was saying there's a lot of similarities that I heard between you and Charlie in the message that he shared. Um, could you kind of relate to his message? Oh, most definitely. I was scared to death. I was scared because I knew I was going to be met with stigma. I, I knew it was coming, you know, um, but it took me having to just realize, look beyond self and realize that, you know, um, I have, uh, the ability to create change right now about how people look at HIV. And I was okay with being that vessel to do that um, because, um, again, I, 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 I knew I was living beyond my HIV diagnosis. Uh, I wasn't getting mad when I was being met with stigma anymore. It was a time to educate. Um, and I was so secure with Michelle and knowing that I was more than that. I was more than what people were saying about me. I was more than what was being shown on TV. You know, I was more, I was a mother. I was a sister. I was, you know, an aunt. I was all those things, you know, and that HIV was just what it was, HIV. It was a disease that was evading this, my space, you know, but I did not, I didn't have to allow it to take over my life. So yeah, I can, I can entirely relate. So when I was able to, when I walked across that stage, I knew that um, at that moment I was walking for every single HIV positive person who was afraid to say that they were positive, but through me for that moment to say, hey, you know what, I'm HIV positive too, and that made it all right. There has to be. You were talking about how you're still involved with, uh, with kind of helping young, up and coming, uh, you know, maybe women who are are considering running. That has to be empowering for them. Um, in order, you know, I, I would think that if I heard your story, and I was considering, you know, running for some type of title, which I, I do leather, and so in some ways I'd like to say that <laughs> there's, hey. Leather, you know, uh, pageant, <laughs> all the same. Right? I want to go see you do some leather, whatever. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I'll, get, I'll get you dressed up in leather. Well, let's go. Let's go. But, Boy, um, no, don't tell me nothing because I'm fat and fine now. Come on with it. <laughs> but the amount of empowerment that you offer, like that is just really, it has to be empowering for the young ladies that are hearing your story to say, you know, whatever circumstance I came from, whatever I've had happen to me, maybe it's not HIV, maybe it's substance use or this, that, and the other. Do you hear that a lot from them, that they draw strength and empowerment from, from you? Yeah, they do. Um, and, and it's just amazing how um, there, are, there have been a handful of ladies who uh, were positive that entered the patch, and although they did not, that wasn't their platform. It was just the fact that they did it. So to me, that was their first steps, and I was okay with that. Um, a lot of times I hear um, about the other issues. Um, I get emails uh, uh, or messages of women who are empowered by the story, but most so how I survived, you know, the sexual abuse growing up, how I survived a substance use, how I, how I survived all that other stuff that led me to HIV. Isn't that something? So, yeah, so it, 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 it um, allowed them to see that, um, you know, hey, you didn't do nothing wrong or different to become HIV positive. There was some stuff that happened to you that led you to HIV. Mm. That is true. We yeah, all take a different path. Mm-hmm. We all don't grow yeah. up. To, we don't say, hey, I'm going to be HIV positive when I grow up. There was some stuff that happened to us. Trauma is what created this. That is true. So so I see a name change. Um, do, do, can I assume that, that you have gotten married since we last spoke? I married now, yes. <laughs> Congratulations, girl. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I've been married. I'm, I'm married. Uh, I got married May 8th of 2015 to a wonderful man. Um, 
and Mr. I call him Mr. Jimmy, and uh, he understood what stigma was. He actually heard about my story uh, through school. We went to school together, and he was in one of my classes, and I have to share the story. So when I first saw him, I said, oh, he's kind of cute. He kind of looked like a football player, you know, and he was standing up, and he was talking about how he was hearing impaired and that he had to have a note taker uh, in class, and so that's who she was. And so I was like, oh, okay, oh, cool, you know. But the next day that man came to school, he had on black jeans, a black T-shirt, and some black cowboy boots. And I said, oh, my God, that man is fine as hell. And he don't even know he that fine. And so we talked from there. And so we talked from there. And um I we exchanged numbers, and he was running around with with uh, stuff to give me, gifts to give me. But I was gone traveling, uh, you know, promoting Miss Plus America and my platform. And so when I got back to school, uh, he we, ex- we exchanged phone numbers and stuff. And that first night, I told him over the phone, you know, I need I need to tell you something. I need to share something with you is why I said. I said, I just want you to know that I'm HIV positive. And the phone, and he got really quiet. And he said, excuse me? And um, I thought it shocked him. No, he just didn't hear what I was saying. <laughs> so I said it again. And he said, <laughs> I did. And he said, <laughs> and he said, oh, did you think that was going to run me off? And uh, from that moment, he said that he knew that he um, that he trusts me and that he would fall in love with me because if I was able to share the information with him, that I that he knew that I would take care of him. And that wow. that was the that started uh, for us. Um, I believe in disclosure. You know, you don't always have to disclose. You don't know where. Um, there's not always a reason for you to disclose, uh, you know, uh, but disclose when you're, when you think it's the best time to disclose. Me, I tell them before the first kiss, before the first hug, before that, because that wasn't given to me. That opportunity wasn't given to me, so I refuse to take away from anybody else. Mm. Well, I'm so happy and then we, I was so excited when I saw that come across Facebook <laughs> and and saw that you were all getting hitched, and I was like, oh, go good for her. Now she's off the market. No one, no one can, uh, move on to the next one. Yeah. She's taken. <laughs> I got a few cat calls yesterday, dog. I was like, ooh, I kind of missed that. <laughs> but it was all good. But it was all good. You know, I still got it. You know, I'm married now. I still got it. But, yeah, and it's. It's been it's been really interesting because you know educating him. Although he knew what stigma was because he's hearing impaired, so mm-hmm. people all the time think he's also mentally challenged. You no, know, he's just hearing impaired. He can't hear you. He's not slow. Right. <laughs> you know, and so he understood that. <laughs> but it's just educating him on it. Um, and it took some time. I mean, it was a roller coaster for us. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just educating, you know, I'm taking my meds. I'm undetectable. You know, it's less likely I transmit the virus by 96%. You know, give him the information, let, allow him to read and look it up for himself because to empower him to look up stuff. And I told him where to go. Don't just go on any website because, you know, anybody can put anything on the on the internet. So I want to make sure if you're going to look at the information, make sure it's the right website, <laughs> you know, and stuff. And so he began to do that. And, and, and we've been together four years, but this is our second year of marriage. He's now has become comfortable uh, because he knows that my stigma became his stigma as well. And so instead of, he used to get angry, you know, we, he had family members fall off. He had friends fall off to quit talking to him, you know, and it kind of hurt it hurt him, you know. But now instead of getting mad, he knows that he can educate now when he's met with stigma. You know, you continue to amaze me with what you share and how honest and open you are and how just sharing how you have, you know, disclosed to your husband and how it became you know, you worked through the difficulties and you talked about it. You allowed him to look things up and you allowed him to learn and allowed him to educate himself at his own pace. It gives so many young women who may be diagnosed, who may be listening, 
you know, hope that they're able to meet a man who may be bright for them and educate that man, you know what I mean, or that, that partner who they want to be with, um, you know what I mean, and, and experience love. Love is something that we all crave as human beings. And, you know what I mean, when we're diagnosed, we kind of get knocked down a bit and think that love is impossible. And, and hearing your story, it, it, it's inspiring to women. So I just want to thank you for coming on and, and really sharing with everybody because you are so much hope. I love you. <laughs> I can't wait to see you. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to come to Philly. I'm going to have to come to Philly, you know. Uh, although I can't eat any cheesesteak, at least I can smell it. <laughs> I'm sorry, we got pressure. Uh, right. Um, you know, also, I lost 50 pounds. Um, I had a few health problems, so I can relate to that. what y'all were talking about earlier, about the um, you know, side effects and taking medications and everything. I was mm -hmm. suffering from some lipidystrophy, had the fatty liver. Um, of course, you know, I was gaining weight. Um, it was just a lot of things, osteoarthritis. They saying I was pre-diabetic. So I went ahead and had, um, I had gastric sleeve surgery. I had gastric sleeve surgery because I didn't want to walk around with a hump on my back. I didn't, you know, I needed to combat what uh, the medications was doing to my body, what HIV was doing to my body. And um, it started creating those insecurities uh, for me. And since I've done it, um, no more diabetes, no more high blood pressure, no more pain in my hips, my liver is going back to normal size. And so um, I can agree when when we talk about medications, that we also need to talk about what um, we can do to combat those those issues. Because now HIV is not even the issue. The diagnosis is an issue. What becomes the issue is after we take the medication. What can we do uh, to keep stay healthy? I totally agree with you. It's definitely a conversation that we need to have. So we'll have to have you back on in the future and, and discuss more of what we can do. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. I love you. I love you, Erin. Girl. Y'all are the bees knees. <laughs> yeah, oh, we love you too. And people can find you on all social media by looking up uh, HIV Beauty Queen. Yes, correct. HIV Beauty Our name will never go away. HIV no, Beauty Queen. No, it won't, girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have yourself a great rest of the Sunday, and I, I look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, and I love you guys. Talk to you soon. Love you love too. You. And you can find her on Twitter, Instagram, HIV Beauty Queen. You know, one of the stories that I wanted to talk about was um, there was a man I saw in India who adopted 22 HIV positive children who were abandoned by their parents. Um, it's an incredible story. We shared it on the Positive Radio Facebook page. Go check it out. Uh, there's a couple other uh, news articles there. Um, next week, we will be sitting with our friend Bob Skinner. He's been on the show before. He'll be coming on giving us an update. Um, I'm excited to have him come on. And uh, stay tuned for our 300th episode. And don't forget to follow us everywhere at Pause Radio and to join the Pause Community Board, uh, pauseimradio.com. Look for Aaron Laxton everywhere and everywhere because that's where he is. Aaron, I hope you have a great Sunday, and are you watching The Walking Dead tonight? You know, I'm not a Walking Dead guy. But I'm a Grammy Oh, guy. bummer. Oh, well, then I guess maybe we'll be watching the Grammys. Is that on tonight? <laughs> it is, it is. All right, well, you have yourself a good week, and um, I'll talk to you in a week. Thanks a lot for tuning in, everyone, and check out all our archives again, pauselimeradio.com. Join us each and every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when we bring you your weekly dose of hope. You can join in the conversation after the show is off air. Going on Twitter at Pause I Am Radio, Aaron Laxton. While you're on there, reach out to I'm Still Josh as he brings your weekly HIV scoop. And check out Kevin Maloney with Rise Up to HIV. I encourage you, if you have not already done so, please contribute to the Positive Message Campaign. 
from each and every one of you who contribute and allow us to bring this show to you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And if you know someone who would be interested in coming on air, or you think there's something that we need to cover, please let us know. We're here to bring content that you need and you want. From each and every one of us over at Paz IM Radio, from myself and Robert Brining, have a safe and happy week. And until we talk again, stay positive.